Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Daily Objective. A uh, lot to talk about this week. And we have somebody here today who recently disclosed the story of his journey from Marxist over all the way to objectivist. And it's a fascinating story. And what separates his story from or differentiates it from many others is he actually uh, sat on panels with objectivists and that influenced him, which speaks to my ongoing theory that we should not try to persuade the audience, but rather badger and pressure interviewers and panelists to themselves become objectivists. And of course, I'm joking. Please welcome a man whose name I can pronounce perfectly now, Nikos Sotarikopoulos. Every week it's better. Hi, everyone. Hi, uh, Raga. And thanks for the kind introduction. So today we talk about an issue which is, depending from where which angle you watch it, a non-issue or a very important issue. And it's an issue that is... Uh, somewhere in the headlines for the last 24 hours. So what happened? So we're talking about the UK. So a member of parliament, uh, Don Butler, who is a woman of color, was stopped by the police in what we call the equivalent of stop a search, but in a car. And what we found out that later that happened is that the, they ran her number and the system gave by a mistake that this car was registered in Yorkshire, which is actually where I live. But uh, because it was in an area in London, they thought this is suspicious. So they stopped her. They asked her some questions. She uh, recorded it because she considered it a racist incident. So we, we know exactly that happened. So what happened is that she, she's, uh, uh, you know, she's, she's not happy. So she's asking the police officer why he's, he's uh, stopping her. Now, the police officer is very, very kind. By the way, he's a white man. It's very important for the story because that's the world we live in. So very kindly, he explains that he asks some questions. And when he gets the answer, he says, OK, thank you. You can leave. But then the NP says that this was a racist incident. And it's not the first time in the last weeks that we have the claim that when a black person is stopped, by the police, then this shows that the police is institutionally racist. Now, she went to the media, and I've watched one of her interviews, it's more than four minutes long, and she's criticizing stop and search. Stop and search, by the way, means that the police stops random people or not so random people based on some information or something they know. And this is the, the police practice that is criticized. And she said that she lives, she and other people of black people, she says that she lives through racism and systemic racism every time she goes to a shop, every single day in the UK. And also she said that the Metropolitan Police, which is the police band in the UK, is systematically racist. Now, one thing that was missing is any evidence of why this is the case. So if, and that is a very big, Accusation. If you say that every single day, every go I go to the shop, I experience racism in, 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 in real terms, that's a very big accusation. So I, but we didn't hear what are the elements that make her everyday experience racism. And also she made a very interesting point. She said that the fact that the police declines the accusation that they're institutionally racist 
shows that A, they're not fit for purpose, B, that the head of the police should spend, as I said, every waking hour fighting institutional racism, and this shows that it actually is institutionally racist. So there are so many things here to unpack. We're going to discuss stop and search. We're going to discuss many things. But there are four main things here. A, what is the definition of racism? Because the, the, the term is thrown, we, we don't have a definition. B, is it possible for an innocent interaction between people from two different racial backgrounds? Because more and more, it is considered as problematic, either that as racist or if you raka, for example, like women from a different race, you might be considered racist because you have, quote, exotic taste and you objectify them. But also if you don't like them, you can also be considered obviously racist. And the third issue, which is interesting, is this craving for the victim status. Now, we saw the interaction. There was no victimization there in terms of nothing extraordinary happened. So there are all these issues. You take whichever of these you think is most interesting and you run with it. Yeah. So is, was there a question there or is it, are you just no question. handing it over? It's, okay. You know, well, first of all, I like that you said, what is the definition? It's not just the definition of racism, but the, we need the definition of institutionalized. We need a lot of definitions. And anytime I watch, uh, you know, pundits, you know, even whether it's YouTubers, guys like Sargon, every time I've watched him debate a leftist on issues like immigration or institutionalized racism, it always goes quickly into a, an argument about definitions. And they all agree that definitions are just a social utility and they're sub subjective and there's no objective definition to anything. So we just need to find some common ground, uh, some common language terms in order to define our terms so we can proceed from there. And it's, it's a ridiculous way to try and deal with reality to think that words are just a, you know, are just there for some kind of utility. As I've pointed out here before, and as I think Ayn Rand uh, offers the, uh, the discipline of philosophy, she says, in my understanding, uh, language and definitions are the final stage of concept formation. So it, they're primarily for personal use. When you're done forming a concept, you give it a visual auditory um, name. And definitions are important. Without them, we end up all over the place and we can't understand things, let alone communicate. It's been said that black and white middle-class people tend to agree with each other statistically on most issues. So maybe a certain percentage of them are Democrats, certain percentage are Republican. Whites and blacks in the middle class are generally on the same page on most issues, statistics show, except for the issue of police. When it comes to profiling and, and even police brutality, statistics show from what I've seen that blacks are more sensitive to the issue. They think it's more of an issue whereas whites are more likely to be dismissive of it statistically. And um, I think this is the type of issue where we need to be careful not to become rationalistic. It's very easy to sit here and say, there is racism, there is not racism. Police are abusive, police are not abusive. How do I know? I don't have access to that. I'm not out on the street surveying the situation. I'm not even looking at statistics most of the time and statistics themselves can be a little bit um, misleading at times. They're, they're easy, easily um, tampered with, although I know I, I, I just a moment ago mentioned the, some statistics. But my point is here, we need to be careful, which is why I like to focus not so much on what is actually 
how bad is the problem, but rather than I'd I like to ask, by what standard is it a problem? In other words, if police are profiling and abusing people based on race, I know this sounds like a crazy question to ask, but by what standard is that wrong? And I'm not being rhetorical. I'm saying we need to actually define what's wrong with that. And I will offer you it's because the individual has certain rights, because human nature calls for the individual to think independently, to act on his or her own judgment, to produce, and then to keep the fruits of his or her labor, et cetera. I mean, this, these philosophical questions are important to cover before we get to, you know, how the state and how representatives of the state, like the police, are treating individuals. When we have all that covered, then we can say, okay, by this standard, this, these people are having their rights violated disproportionately. And we can also then ask, okay, well, do we have laws on the books that are designed to protect the rights of the individual? Well, yes, but we also have many laws that violate the rights of the individual, uh, preventative laws, we can call them, like anti-drugs, anti-prostitution, various other uh, laws on the books that the police are disproportionately enforcing in predominantly black neighborhoods. Uh, if a couple white guys in the suburbs want to sell each other pills, nobody cares. If a black guy want, is selling drugs in a black neighborhood, the police are cruising around looking, looking to bust him doing so. Um, so we need laws on the books that are there to protect the rights of the individual. And then a lot, a lot of the, um, a lot, a lot of the uh, police brutality stories, I think, would go away because a lot of what the police are doing out there is not designed to protect the rights of anyone, but they're to enforce preventative laws. And like, just to repeat one last time, before we even get to that, we need to really understand what are rights and how do they relate to human nature? What is the nature of man? And what do words mean? What do definitions mean? How do we find the essentials of, of a concept in order to give them a definition? Back to you, my Greek friend. So... I couldn't agree more with all these points. So, but I, I will I will play a bit of devil's not of devil's advocate because there is a point. So, first of all, I do recognize that uh, Don Butler she she has experienced uh, probably racism at a level which is completely real, not related to this event, but real racism. She has said stories about her getting abused, all that stuff, and also. I want to give the benefit of the doubt to people that they have always a good case, even if the latest story they told us is not good. So let's see the issue of stop and search. So the, the facts say that something like eight to nine times but black people in the UK are stopped and searched eight to nine times more often than other people from other backgrounds. Now, what we don't hear is why this happens. And this mostly happens because they are in the neighborhoods where the police is doing the stop and search. So usually you do stop and search for two reasons. One is, let's say there was a break in the grocery store and they call the police and they say there's a guy, a, a tall white guy with a beard. Therefore, if I get stopped, then it's because someone gave a description but also because they usually police areas where there's a lot of crime. So there's always, there's also kind of a class element if you want, depending on where you live, in which neighborhood you live, you are more likely to be stop and search. Now there are two issues here. The first one is what is the alternative here? 
Is the alternative that there should be no stop and search? So the MP said that stop and search had something like a efficiency rate of something like 15%. Therefore, said it's ridiculous. We shouldn't do it anymore. I'm not convinced that this is that much low, and I'm not the one to make the judgment. The police should make the judgments, and it makes sense to me that stop and search is is a, is a practice that's not going to stop. And the second issue is, what's the alternative to, let's say, profiling? So if so, should we, for example, profiling areas, profiling uh, gender, whatever? So should, for example, should we do more research to areas that have no crime? Should we go to areas with more crime and do more stop and search to, let's say, old ladies? Now, all the, these are just questions. But because I never listen to the answers of these questions, I get the suspicion that we are not really interested in finding the answers. The other issue, if we really found the answer, and you, you touched upon it, but I think that's the, the $1 million point, is if you want to stop the victimization of black people, which is happening, and the way it's happening is that they stop and search them, they find some drugs or whatever, like cannabis or hard drugs or whatever, and then you get to the downward spiral of the justice system. And best case scenario, there is no best case scenario. All scenarios are bad for you. So worst case scenario, your life is ruined. Best case scenario, you're in deep trouble. So here's my proposition to my leftist friends who really care about this topic. Join hands with us and let's campaign for individual rights. Make it concrete to you. Let's campaign for drug legalization. As many drugs as possible. This would solve the problem. No, this would not solve completely the problem. This would alleviate. This would make the problem better. It would take so many people out of hard ways. And statistically, most of these people would be black people. Why isn't BLM, for example, on the barricades for this? Why isn't the Labour Party on the barricades of this? The reason they're not for this is because it goes against their worldview. It, it's alien to their worldview about what is individual rights. It's alien to the worldview of what is individual agency. And the problem is then that we don't have and we don't find a solution. So do you think this is an honest mistake on their side? That they, can't, they just can't imagine it? Or is it that they're mostly interested in bringing, quote, systemic change, whatever that means, rather than these real people not having their lives ruined. I, I don't know how good I am at saying who's being honest and who's being dishonest. I mean, I think a lot, a lot of people are being honest within their philosophic framework. Um, there is a vibrant voice for legalization of drugs and for like police reform in a way that we might agree with, where the police are more focused on just catching burglars and rapists and killers and not, you know, prevent, you know, preventive, someone corrected me in the comments, preventive laws like drugs. Um, but those people, they've got anarchists in their ranks. They've got socialists, very vocal in their ranks. Ultimately, uh, philosophy is where the battle is going to be won or lost. We cannot have the, the types of change that we want without, okay, why do I bring this up? So, okay, so they're pushing for socialism, but also they want, um, 
you know, to legalize drugs. So that now that means that everyone, like half the population is paying for the other population's drugs. And, all, and now the government lobby system is even bigger because we've got even more pressure groups pressuring and lobbying for special favors. The lobby system is what planted into our minds in the culture that it's my business what my neighbor does. The lobby system as it was brought about by increased socialistic policies, by increased regulation and taxation. What we need to be working is towards capitalism, towards the recognition of individual rights. And that is how we get a solution to these types of problems, which also includes the, um, the private citizen having a different outlook on life, uh, looking at the world in terms of what can I get out of this? What can I do with my life? How do I work towards having a good life? And the more um, people see themselves that way, the more we have this enlightenment individualism in the culture again, the less we will see uh, the, type, the types of crimes, you know, heinous crimes, as well as sort of victimless crimes. Just generally, people would be behaving more rationally and more selfishly in the best sense of the term. So um, ultimately what most people are trying to do is slap a Band-Aid on these problems or to kind of look like they care about the problem. You know, people say the police shouldn't profile. Okay, but what if, what if you're assaulted and you tell the police, here's the description of the person who assaulted me. What are the police then supposed to do? Not pull over anyone who looks like that? profiling is sort of a surface issue. I mean, ironically enough, just like profiling is looking at somebody's surface features. We need to actually um, fight for laws that are there to protect the rights of the individual. And that is only going to successfully be brought about once we rethink the, once we kind of rethink and rediscover individualism and do it right this time, uh, like the founding fathers only better. And I think uh, Ayn Rand's, uh, theory of concepts will help us with definitions. And I think her conception of rights is what is desperately needed now more than ever. Let's see if we can tackle this in less than two minutes. So the issue also is how do we define that you are the victim of racism? And why is it that we see people for whom the status of a victim is almost they'll go out of the way to create this identity? We have the Smollett case, which again, I, I'm not 200% sure where the courts are, but it looks like there was this kind of staging of this attack. Now, obviously, yesterday there was a real incident, but I think the elevation of this incident to the status of, of, of like a racial incident, I think it's an, a vast exaggeration. And also the book that, if you've read it at some point, I'm interested in doing a whole show on it, Tanehisi Quotes Between the World and Me. Now, this is a book that has won every single book award. And it's one of the books that usually people, when they tell you, you need to get educated, they mean one of these. They mean it's, 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 it's in these books. Now, it's one of the worst books I've read in my life. And I'll go to the barricades about how it's one of the worst books I've read. But there's a very interesting incident. So this is supposedly a book about how his life has been characterized by racism. And almost the only time a white person appears in the book is an incident in a shopping center where there's like this rude lady who kind of pushes aside this young kid, something like that. So my issue here is that when we push away definitions, definitions is not so that we philosophize, then real injustice and real evil in the world doesn't get sanctioned, but kind of is let off the hook. Because if this is racism, 
right? And if, if your everyday life is, is kind of characterized by racism, but you cannot define racism and you cannot tell us what exactly is this, or if we say it's racism that, you don't, you're, that you're not turned on by this particular body type or, or that you are turned on because as we saw, you can't escape it, then we can't fight the real evil of, uh, of, of racism. Look, the package deal fallacy is real and we see it everywhere. Um, so the not wanting blacks to be abused by police is a, is a valid uh, position to take in, protect, in protecting individual rights, but taking issue with who people find attractive is not, it's a, it is not your place as a, as a sociologist to now start uh, criticizing people for who they fall in love with or who they find attractive. I mean, it, but, but we are seeing those things packaged together. So if you oppose the uh, policing of people's sexual desires or romantic interests, if you oppose the policing of that, that means you support police brutality against blacks, the way those two issues are packaged together. And that's just scratching the surface. I mean, egalitarianism, just like religion uh, claims a monopoly on spirituality and exaltation, the egalitarians, the nihilistic anti-values egalitarians that want to reduce us all down to the level of a zygote so that we're equal, those people have claimed a monopoly on being anti-racism. And I think people like you and me, individualists, need to fight for that and, and to take back the position of being anti-racist, which really is being pro-individualist. We mention it every time. We are the original we, we are the real and we are the real fighters for, for individual rights. But you mentioned concepts. Do you know who's really good in concepts, in explaining concepts? I'm going, go ahead. Harbinswanger. Oh. Now, you would say, well, he's such a big name. There's no chance I can find him in a meetup. No, way you, no way you can get him on your channel. No way you can get him on your channel. Guess who gets him on their channel? Wow, for real? The Iron Run Center UK. So just to just to invite people to check out today's meetup, which is a meeting with Dr. Harry Binswager and Jean Moroni Binswager on the issue of the reactive subconscious. Now, a bit high-level kind of epistemology, but it's going to be very interesting. And again, as my friend Raka says every time, it all starts from metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, politics. So we get the highest levels, we're gonna understand and have a better grasp on the lower levels. So it was a pleasure as always from me and Raga. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.